The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a criminal defendant to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is factoid propagation, which sounds a bit like something you would treat with germaloids. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, How's so... factoids all their propagating? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So factoid propagation. Yeah. is where someone uses a fact that they read or heard about, yeah. and I'm using fact in inverted commas, right. to back up their argument. And they don't really care, or certainly they don't check, if the yeah. fact is actually a real fact or if it's yeah. not yeah. true. In some cases, they may have heard the fact being debunked many times oh, okay. and yet yeah. continue uh-huh. to use it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, the first example <laughs> comes from Trump when he called in to a Pennsylvania Senate hearing on election fraud in the 2020 election to give his point of view on it mm-hmm. and said this. If you look at uh, Michigan with Detroit, you look at the things that happened in Detroit where you have a voter, but you have more votes than you have voters. You take a look at Detroit, Michigan. So this is a fact that you will often see on the internet. Certainly on Twitter, I've seen it in other places as well. Various places, Detroit, one of the places that gets mentioned. Sometimes they just say the entire US, there were more votes than registered (laughs) voters. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's not true. I mean, just if you even think about it for a few seconds, you would realise that that would be the easiest way to prove there had been fraud. Like, they would definitely have won all of their court cases if If there were more votes than people (laughs) in those places who were eligible to vote. Yeah. That would be so easy to prove. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, yeah. Yes, you just go, well, here's the population of the entire US Uh of voting age, and here's the number of votes we've got. Yeah. So, And one of them bigger than the other. Yeah. Yeah. If you add Biden's and Trump's votes together, there were somewhere around 160 uh, million votes across yeah. the US in, in the 2020 election. And people go, oh, we're 160 million votes, but only 139 million registered voters. And it's just, it's always been bollocks. There's yeah. <laughs> over, it's actually not, there isn't a place where you can go to find out the exact number of registered voters in the US because states right. register voters themselves and they all have different methods and databases and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But the people who have put the effort in to check all of the states and add them up come up with over yeah. 200 million registered and eligible US voters. Because that allows them to say, yes, we had a 
five percent yeah, turnout. Absolutely, not a three hundred and twenty-eight percent turnout <laughs> like some dictatorships yeah. seem to have. There's yeah. a there's a Twitter account called Angry Fleas who does a right. sterling job of answering people who who make this claim. Yeah, it, whether it's on state the individual states or the US, they will reply to them and say, here is the actual data, here are the real numbers of, of how many eligible voters and how many registered voters even there were in these yeah. areas. Um, I mean, with Detroit specifically, the city of Detroit's own website said that that area is home to 504,714 registered voters, of yeah. whom 250,000 cast ballots. So less than 50%, yeah. 49.56%. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, not more votes than people. Just... Obviously. There's a, a podcast radio program here on uh, Radio 4 called More or Less, which and they do mm-hmm. this thing about zombie statistics. So they, these are the kind of zombie statistics that just won't die. Yeah. They've, you know, they've been debunked a thousand times, and then somebody comes along and says, you know, normally a politician, and says, oh, yeah, well, don't remember that. You know, just look at, just look at Detroit. They will, yes. And he come, no, where does that come from? <laughs> he states it as a fact, and just his stating of it makes people go and look at it. And as soon as you go and look at it, you go, well, well, where's he getting that from? That's the thing. It makes some people go and look at it, and uh, it makes right. some yeah, people yeah, go, yeah. ah, more votes than voters. Well, that's proof that it was fraud. Yeah, yes, see? Yeah. exactly. Mm. So it, and they so are absolutely a, convinced by it. So in a way, that's why one would propagate a factoid is just is not to actually have people stroke the chins and and think hmm wait a minute i'll better go and look at that it's it's to play into their already um accepted belief so you're just you're just playing to the gallery yeah and our second example from Trump, yeah. he said this so many times. He said <laughs> yeah. it most recently in his TV interview with Sean, Hanna- Sean Hannity, no, Tucker Carlson. Oh, but this yeah. is one of the times that he talked about the equipment left behind in Afghanistan. And we left $85 billion worth of the best equipment ever made. Much of it that I bought, they left it behind. Why would they leave it behind? So again, this is something you'll see all over the place. Yeah. And he has said it many times and it's never been true. And yeah. it's been debunked many, many times. And uh, yeah. the truth is, as we, we've talked about it briefly on the show before, but the truth yeah. is that uh, it comes from a report that was detailing all of the money that was spent by the US to train and equip military forces in Afghanistan. Right. Uh, which is more than 80 billion. It's not, that's not even 85 billion. Yeah. But, but yeah. it's close. It's like 83 billion and something. Right. But. That is over a 20-year period, and it includes, like, the the pay for the forces, the right. um, travel, logistics, ammunition that's been used yeah. and therefore isn't available anymore, yeah. vehicles that have been used and, and brought back to the US or decommissioned or destroyed. Uh, the $5 billion worth of equipment was destroyed in 2017 because wow. it was cheaper than bringing it back to the US, basically. Yeah, yeah. When they left... Afghanistan, they brought back 60 plane loads of equipment, Mm -hmm. you know, so they didn't just leave that. That's all of the stuff and like time and and training and logistics and travel and everything that they spent over the course of 20 years. The actual amount, according to a Pentagon report more recently, is around 10, 8 to 10 billion. 
right. in equipment that was left behind. And the vast majority of that had been demilitarized because things like Humvees or fighter jets or whatever, you know, they don't just use off the rack equipment, like yeah. batteries and spark plugs and whatever that you'd yeah. put in other vehicles. They use specific yeah proprietary military ones that you can't get hold of without being in the military and so they take some of those components out and you can't Can't repair it it. you can't fix it yeah to prevent them being used by falling into the you know the taliban and as for suggesting that it's it's brand new stuff that he you know much of which i paid for essentially yeah no they just didn't because that because by that point they knew they were winding stuff up they weren't sending new equipment to afghanistan and the new stuff they brought back because yeah, because that was early. by far the most cost-effective way to do it. Um, yeah. He said they had planes that they all they needed to do was put a new tank of gas in it and they could fly it home or fly it to Pakistan. But the but Mark Milley was saying, oh, it's cheaper to to leave it there and destroy it. No, that's the the planes that they left behind even before they were demilitarized them were out of commission. They they weren't planes that were kind of flight worthy. Right. Um, and still being used in battle, they would they were ones they'd had over there for years. Oh, okay, right. So they they weren't worth bringing back. No, yeah. it wasn't. As, absolutely, the ones yes. that were worth bringing back, they brought they back. They brought back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he also says it's the best equipment that's ever been made. Really? Yeah. You know, it's something like a, a tin opener or a, an <laughs> iPhone or a space shuttle. Or a, a Mars lander? How do you how do you define best equivalent? It's like saying it's the you know the the probably the best lager in the world. Yeah. There's no way of it's an opinion based thing, and then and what's the point of him saying? The point of him saying this is to blame. So suddenly the withdrawal from Afghanistan is nothing to do with him. Yeah, which it was. And and that he just put the blame onto somebody else and made it worse by saying, well, why would you do that? Why would you leave all that lovely stuff there that I bought? None of which is true. Yeah. But all it, but it's it's entirely to fuel the anger of the voter base to go. Yes, that's why we're never going to vote for those guys again. Well, wait a minute. Who came out of Afghanistan? <laughs> that was you who decided to do that. And yeah. let's get out there. Yeah. And then and he had, he had nothing to do with yeah, it. It was him who of... not only decided to come out of Afghanistan, but, but yeah. boasted before he left office that he had made it impossible for Biden not to come out. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then he blames Biden for, for actually leaving. And I mean, yeah, yeah it was Trump who. Um, invited the Taliban to Camp David. It was Trump who released five thousand Taliban prisoners, f- yeah. f- with nothing in return for that. No, no. And it was Biden who eventually brought the troops home. Yeah, and left some equipment which had been decommissioned. Jesus. And now is the time I think for Mark's British politics corner. So we're going to start with what is it? It's in the realm of politics that you make your eyes stretch and your jaw drop. Um, in insofar as it comes from somebody from Punjab, so Indian heritage, and his home secretary, who is also from Indian heritage, and they're talking in fundamentally racist terms. And um, so on December 13th, 2022, there was a debate on the introduction of new immigration bill, and Rishi Sunak responded to a comment from Labour's Meg Hillier. 
In 17 years as a member of this House, I have never known backlogs in every avenue of Home Office processing to be so great and so slow. And the Prime Minister asked for suggestions. He could take out the ridiculous rule that people have to renew their indefinite leave to remain every 30 months, putting the same people back through the system to come out with the same outcome. He could, in one fell swoop, reduce the backlog. Will he do it? Mr Speaker, I just gently point out to the Honourable Lady uh, that the backlog now, difficult as it is, is half as big as it was under the last Labour government. So, and, and, unlike, and, 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 and unlike then, and unlike then, we will not resort to giving people blanket amnesties, Mr Speaker, because that's not the right approach. So basically the backlog is about the processing of people seeking asylum on uh, on arriving in the UK as a refugee uh, or a, a asylum as asylum seeker, a, a migrant from war zones or whatever, and what he's doing is deliberately propagating a couple of electioneering factoids that Labour are soft on immigration, and only the measures being brought in by the Tories will deal with the problem. It also distracts from the fact that he's recategorizing asylum seekers as illegal migrants and possibly also that we might have to ultimately withdraw from the role of the European Convention on Human Rights. So the factoid at issue is that the backlog is half of what it was under Labour, which isn't true at all. And the Sir Robert Choate, the chair of the UK Statistics Authority, says the most appropriate source of statistics on asylum applications awaiting a decision are produced by the Home Office and reported quarterly. And in June 2010, the number of applicants awaiting a decision was 18,954. This is the date that coincides closely with the 2010 general election, so at the point that Labour was out of government. The same spreadsheet also provides the latest number of undecided asylum applications, which was 166,261, eight times what it was under Labour. That's quite different to half, isn't it? Yes, yes, eight times rather (laughs) than half, yes. It's Uh it's an order of 16 out, (laughs) yes, yeah. And actually, in order to promote himself as an immigrant sorter-outer, in the leadership election campaign versus Liz Truss, remember her? Sunak <laughs> said this. Yeah, Sunak <laughs> said this. Law-abiding citizens are dismayed when they see boat after boat full of illegal migrants coming from safe European countries with our sailors and coast guards seemingly powerless to stop them. So amongst the very carefully chosen word salad, cherry-picked with an appeal to motion and an appeal to ad populum, the factoid he's propagating is that people in boats are illegal migrants, whereas official home office figures, his his home office, show that 94% of small boats arrivals have applied for asylum since 2018, with the top nationalities including Afghans, Iraqis, Syrians, Iranians. Only 8% of decided claims by small boat migrants were refused, so they're not illegal. Half of the asylum applications were granted and the Home Office said 43% were not considered because the applicant was present 
or had a connection to a safe third country where they could reasonably be, have been expected to claim asylum before reaching the UK. So if they've got family in France or Germany or wherever they might have travelled through to get to the UK, their appeal for uh, asylum in the UK had been refused. So if they hadn't refused those ones, there would have been a 70% of small boat migrants would have their asylum claims recognised. So it's not true to say they're illegal migrants. They are asylum seekers. And 94% of all of those that have arrived since 2018 have applied for asylum and half of that number have successfully... More than that, the vast majority have got asylum either here or in another country that they passed through on the way. Yeah. That, and yeah. that's the only reason they didn't get asylum here is because there was a more appropriate country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's an entirely an electioneering thing. That's what I think we learned in the last cu- couple of episodes ago where 30p Lee, Lee Anderson kind of let the cat out of the bag and said, okay, yeah, we haven't got anything we'll win this election with. We haven't, you know, there's nothing on the Labour side that we can use and yeah, we haven't got have Brexit. To, have to we're blow gonna up have a to, culture war or something. We're gonna, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to ramp up the uh, immigrant stuff or the woke stuff um, in order to get the red mist to descend amongst the, the gammon voters who, yes, they're not prepared to look at the numbers. I mean, the, the, the home office itself, the department that Suella Braverman is in charge of, their figures say, one, that the figure isn't half what it was under Labour. It's eight times bigger. And that these people aren't illegal migrants. So you, all you've got to do is go and look at the very office that they are in charge of. But they know that, that people won't look because they're just doing the appeal to emotion and the argument and ad populum and say, Right-thinking people are dismayed. Well, no, they're not. Actually, right-thinking people are dismayed about the fact that people are having to flee war zones, many of them caused by arms being sold from from Britain. We won't go into that. (laughs) Yemen, I'm looking at you. Meanwhile, in the other bunch of racism, in West Mercia, the part of the Midlands in England, where an investigation into decades-long cases of child abuse discovered that the authorities had failed to act on evidence provided, but rather blamed the victims providing the evidence themselves. And despite finding to the contrary in those investigations, Suella Bravman, Home Secretary in charge of the Home Office, continues to propagate the following factoid. What's clear is that what we've seen is a practice whereby uh, vulnerable white English girls being uh, pursued and raped and drugged and harmed by gangs of uh, British Pakistani men. Which is just outrageous racist (laughs) rhetoric. It's just... And you think that's bad enough. If you heard, if you saw that written down, you think, oh, yeah, that must be UKIP, the yeah, National absolutely. Front. Or, uh, yeah, that kind of, you know, outrageous stuff that there were the anti-Nazi league stood up against and rock against racism in the 70s 
because there were people saying this stuff. And this is mainstream politics. This is the fucking Home Secretary who's in charge of home security and, and the Home Office and all that stuff. It's kind of put forward as, yeah, we must crack down on grooming gangs, yeah, but it's mostly to appeal to far-right far voters. Tommy Robinson. To, mainly, the Tommy Robinson, and, and yes. And his followers, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, or whatever, Yax Lennon, that we must yeah. not Stephen, give him his... Stephen Yax Stephen Yax Lennon, Lennon. yeah. Yeah, his double-barreled name. Mm. He's not a normal, ordinary bloke. He's, he's as ordinary as Nigel Farage is. Yeah, and they got they're just their lazy racist factoids, and so she asserts that the perpetrators are almost all British Pakistani, and reduces the the victims to white girls from disadvantaged or troubled background. And again, a Home Office Commission study in 2020 found that group-based child sexual exploitation offenders are most commonly white males under 30, and victims come from many backgrounds and include boys. And it found the report found no reliable generalizable evidence of ethnic disproportionality amongst the offenders. Also, note her tell from the last episode where, where she said, What's clear? which means it's not clear in the slightest and is entirely made up. And Sunak does it as well. In a, he's about to, we're about to hear him say it again. Sunak does nothing to distance himself from the inherent racism. In fact, I think he propagates another factoid to argue that something needs to be done. Here in Rochdale, but in Rotherham and Telford. And what's clear is that when victims and other whistleblowers came forward, their claims were often ignored by social workers, local politicians, or even the police. And the reason that they were ignored were due to cultural sensitivity and political correctness. You see that, yeah, what's clear? It's not clear at all. Yeah, the notoriously politically correct British police. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Quite. Yeah. Fucking and you woke think, bobbies. That's right. Yeah, going around not arresting, but which flies in the face of the institutionally racist police system that was just, you know, the, in the latest report. It said, yeah, basically the police service is institutionally racist. So you think, okay, yeah, are they going to be a little bit sensitive about arresting non-whites over the white perpetrators but it turns out that the most of the perpetrators aren't non-whites they aren't the pakistani community it's nothing to do with them so if it wasn't for political correctness which is just more red meat to the anti-woke to blaming political correctness gives a convenient excuse for not doing anything and also, interestingly, Rochdale, Rotherham and Telf Telford that he mentions are all Labour-held councils. So it feels like another inherent blame of the Labour Party. It's also a massive distraction from actual widespread and well-documented shortcomings in the responses to child sexual exploitation and abuse at large. And the major problem undermining efforts to tackle all of those sexual abuse issues which is the sustained and brutal, according to the British Medical Association, cuts by the Tory party to funding of public services, including children's services, social care, health care, specialist charities, grassroots projects and criminal justice agencies. So it's just as with Trump, the whole point of regurgitating a factoid, something that sounds real but is easily debunkable or has been debunked by reports over and over and over again. The whole point of that 
is just to distract from the fact that they've fucked it up for the past 12 years, done nothing about it, and just to get people to go, oh, Jesus Christ, anything but Labour. We've got to vote the Tories back in because they're really strong on immigration and yeah. clamping I mean, down on the bloody Pakistanis. Just look how well everything is going. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's all going terribly well. Yeah. No wonder they need the distractions. That's why they need angry people to go, oh, yeah. And you have, yes. And also they know that the centre ground who would vote Tories, who are, who we're now calling old, old school One Nation Tories, under David Cameron, that's how <laughs> you only need to go back that far, and that was an appalling government. I mean, to be fair, yeah. that is four leaders ago. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's you know they moved so far to the right, and they know that the centre is deserting them, you know, tactically or otherwise. So they've got to appeal to the far right. Yeah. So they just so that we've got two Indian heritage brown politicians. Blaming brown people for this for for problems, yeah, that's what we need in mainstream politics. Mm-mm. If you don't get in the water, you're never gonna learn to swim. He said the snake is just as scared of you. Kelly Chesney there with Grandpa told me so. And in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week, as it does some weeks, comes from The Simpsons. Yay! And this is an episode where Lisa has been found to have an iron deficiency, partly because of her vegetarianism, and right. is having trouble swallowing the giant iron tablets that she's been given. <laughs> but the uh, the the dinner lady, uh, what do they call them? Lunch canteen lady, lunch supervisor, whatever they call them in America. We call them dinner ladies. Dinner ladies. In, in yeah. the school cafeteria uh, yeah. offers her uh, an alternative. Mmm, tasty. Love the texture. What is that? Beetle mush. Mm, but I'm a vegetarian. So am I. Lots of committed vegetarians eat insects. Really? Get real. There's bug parts in peanut butter. And every year the average American eats eight spiders in his sleep. It's all here in this book. <laughs> and the and the book she holds up is called Crazy Things Old Ladies Say. <laughs> <laughs> the average American eats eight spiders in his sleep. Yeah, it's like, we all know that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. this is a, a weirdly common factoid that people yeah. believe. And uh, yeah, it's not true. Not true at all. <laughs> It's it's commonly <laughs> believed enough that it gets asked of mm. experts from time mm. to time. And mm. and Rod Crawford, the arachnid curator at the Burke Museum of Natural History and Culture in Seattle. Is it, 
Is he actually a, a man with yeah, more he's than, a, no, he's a spider. He's a spider. Legs. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he says it's not true. Basically, people, when they're sleeping, uh, there's, you know, making all kinds of noises. They don't just lie there motionless. And but spiders are aware of that, yeah. that, those noises and those vibrations that are caused, and yeah. they'll keep away from sleeping right. people. And, they, yeah. and would not willingly approach and climb into your mouth for any weird well, reason. Yeah. Well, you say that, guy. I can distinctly remember at college um, waking up and flinging back the the duvet cover, the sheets, and there was a spider walking across my chest. Yeah, well, the, like one of the one things side. that that Rod Crawford says is that people will often report personal right just like memories that. of this kind yeah, of yeah, thing happening, yeah. and yeah. and even of you know waking up and thinking that they've got a spider in their mouth or finding yeah. like the leg of what they think is the leg of a spider in their mouth. He says, it's not impossible that a sleeping person yeah. could plausibly swallow a spider, but it would be a strictly random event. People who claim they've swallowed spiders never seem to have any concrete evidence. People tell yeah. me this happened to them, but they threw the evidence away, flushed it down the toilet, usually, Crawford says. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's sceptical. <laughs> but they it, swallow, the, swallow the spider to catch the fly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know why they swallow the fly. So, uh, so yeah, perhaps, a, there's perhaps they'll die. Not clear yeah. where the factoid came from, but well, um, but it is yeah, it's something that people it's believe. One that is kind of like it just sort of lives. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. lives as a, as a semi fact sufficient for it to turn up on QI, you know, to catch. The, the presenters, the, the comedians that are Absolutely. on there, where they ask them a question and they they go, oh yeah, you have to eat about eight of them, and then they go, yeah. and the klaxon goes, and said, no, no, it's just completely made up. Doesn't, and I did think all. about QI as a source for examples this right. this time, but where that yeah. falls down is many of the questions on QI are based on the kind of popular misconceptions. Yeah, but it's only a fallacy when it's being used to back up an argument to make a case. Yeah, yes. you can believe that you can make diamonds out of peanut butter, right. or hippo's milk is pink, yeah. or things like that, which are popular misconceptions that people believe, yeah. people think are facts. But if you're not using it to actually make an argument, then it doesn't, doesn't right. matter. Just you're just believing something which is wrong, and that's not yeah. a fallacy. That's just that's wrong just information wrong. yeah so yeah in this case she's she's using it to back up her assertion that it's fine to eat bug mush bug even mush. if you're a vegetarian because because you swallow spiders anyway in your sleep so what's the big deal yeah. it's, it's fine yeah, yeah even even as a committed vegetarian <laughs> yeah you can't help it yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah i wonder what the deal is with that because in in uh lake victoria where is that in kenya I think um, they make bread out of the mosquitoes that swarm over the lake. Oh, yeah. I mean, insects are eaten throughout. uh, Yeah. Like the the vast majority of people in the world eat insects. Yeah. Because the the majority of the world's population are in places like China and India and Mm. countries where it's completely fine, common and not, not weird. It is a great source of protein. Yeah. Um, and you can get crickets and, and um, you can get a lot of kind of insect flour, cricket flour and things like yeah. that here. Yeah. Uh, and it's increasing in popularity because wow. it's just it's just a thing that we f- feel a bit icky about. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not really any different. Like prawns and stuff like that, they're basically oh, just yeah. sea insects, aren't they? It's fine. And they're very tasty. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and apparently locusts and tarantulas taste like peanut butter. Mm. So there we go, we're full circle. Okay. Yeah. That's why you can get a certain, you're, they're allowed to put a certain amount of tarantulas in peanut butter. No one exactly. minds. It's fine. No one minds. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone bug knows mu- that. Bug mush. <laughs> yeah. Crunchy and bug mush smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, our second example comes from Desperate Housewives. Yeah. And this is a scene uh, early on, actually, in season one, where Lynette is going out for the evening and her husband is being quite dismissive about how difficult it is going to be to look after the kids. I don't need a pamphlet. It's not brain surgery. They're just kids, for God's sake. Preston, would you come here? Yeah. Sweetie, you know our rule about eating cookies, right? Yeah, we can't have them after five because sugar makes us hyper. Yeah, but tonight, anything goes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, it's just mean. You can't yeah. have cookies after five, uh, and the still. reason is because sugar makes yeah. kids hyper. Yeah, and this is incredibly widely believed by parents. Yeah, and parent many parents will say, "Oh, I've seen it happen with my own kids. Give them sugar, and they go crazy." Yeah, it's confirmation bias. It's a similar kind of thing to people who work in ERs thinking that it goes crazy when there's a full moon, because yeah. when they have a really busy night occasionally they'll look out and think, oh, it's full moon. Full that moon. explains it. But all right. the times that yeah. it's not busy, they won't think, oh, full moon wasn't busy. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm looking for an explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Why and, isn't it busy today? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, they, if their kids are running around crazy because kids are fucking mad. Yeah. And, and they'll think, <laughs> oh, it must be because that's because of that cookie they had earlier or the, that yeah. cake with blue icing or the soda exactly or anything anything to distract yeah. from the fact that they're terrible parents <laughs> yeah and yeah. so in the mid 70s a a doctor removed yeah. the sugar from one child's diet and the right. parents reported an in, uh, a kind of improvement in in the kid's behavior oh okay not not an increase in lethargy no. <laughs> <laughs> and and based on that people believe this um and since wow. then over a dozen Large, well-controlled studies have been done yeah. showing that actually it has no that effect might, on no, hyperactivity. There is wow. a link between having had sugar and then having a kind of energy crash a bit later. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. the kids being hyper after having sugar, it's not true. They have given they give kids placebo sodas, yeah, <laughs> yeah. sugar-free yeah. stuff and, and That's things like favorite. that. That's and, my favourite kind of soda. And, yeah. like, tell the parents that... They have sugar in them, and then the parents yeah. are like, "Yeah, they were mad after that." Oh my god, they so, were climbing the walls yeah. and everything. Yeah, it's all kind of self-reporting wow. stuff. Uh, yeah, because I have met several kids via their parents who they're fucking horrible kids, <laughs> and uh, the parents go, "Oh yeah, well you know we keep giving them Haribo." Yeah, they go, "Okay, well maybe a stop giving them Haribo, see if it still happens." I suspect it will. Because he's an absolute nightmare, <laughs> and then that might get, get you to question your I own mean, parenting it, skills. It's not to say sugar is good, you know. It, uh, no, it's, no, it's tasty, not, but it, you should yeah. still reduce the sugar in your kids' diet. Ideally, yeah. that's that's going to be generally better for their health and teeth and stuff like that. Teeth, yeah, yeah. Teeth but it's not going to affect their uh, yeah. their madness. No, no, no. I mean, yes, exactly. Nothing to do, with it. and you can't you can't blame your bad parenting skills on. <laughs> On Haribo, I'm afraid no. small gelatinous teddy bears doesn't cut it. No. So our third example comes from Law and Order Special Victims Unit, and this yep. is a an episode where they have a perpetrator who 
they are trying to prove is competent to stand trial and be charged with these things. And his lawyer is claiming that he is his IQ is low enough to be considered not not competent. So what about his grades? D's and F's. That doesn't prove anything. Albert Einstein consistently flunked math. Thanks, John. We'll just argue that he's another Einstein. <laughs> yeah. So Munch is saying you can't just because he yeah. gets bad grades in school doesn't mean he's not competent because Einstein yeah. failed math. Flunked math. Yeah. yeah. Consistently. Einstein did not at all fail no. math. It is a, a thing Terrible that has history, been said many yeah. times. Yeah. In fact, according to Time magazine, they looked this up and they said that a Google search of Einstein failed math turns up more yeah. than half a million references. That was Good in 2007. God. So wow. there's wow. going to be a lot more than that these yeah. days. But no, it's not at all true. He, he was asked this, in fact, once because it was in Ripley's Believe It or Not. Uh, when mm-hmm. he was still alive in 1935. And when he was asked, he said, I never failed math, uh, mathematics, he said correctly. Before yeah. I was 15, I'd mastered differential and integral calculus. So, wow. Yeah. In go. primary school, he was top of the class, far above the school requirements in math. By age wow. 12, his sister says he already had a pre- predilection for solving complicated problems in applied arithmetic. He even came up with a new way to prove Pythagorean theory mm. correct, separate from the proofs that he had in books. He, he's basically yeah. spent his summers kind of reading Think, math proofs and yeah. coming up and with new ones. Coming up with something he, else. He yeah. didn't. Yeah, he was pretty good yeah. at maths. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Quite good at maths. Yeah, not so good at uh, combing his hair. No, but you know that's no. that. We can't kind of. Yeah, if, they, if we would think Boris Johnson, if we, if, yes, he has got untidy hair, just like Einstein. No, it's not yeah. a, no. And so finally. <laughs> This example is from About Last Night, the 1986 original, not the 2014 heretical remake. Actually, the the remake wasn't that bad. It was fine. But um, (laughs) (laughs) this is Demi Moore's character. Deborah has come home late. uh, Well, actually, early in the morning, having spent the night with Rob Lowe's character. And and her roommate is a bit annoyed that she stood her up the previous day because she was out with Danny and that she's been out all night. The hell you been? got hung up. Steve called. What'd he say? What do you think he said? He said, where the hell are you? What'd you tell him? I told him that you have to wait 24 hours before you file a missing persons report. I just thought you were in somebody's trunk or something. So, (laughs) the old, you have to wait 24 hours before you file a missing persons report is a thing which is very commonly believed. It's in lots of TV shows and films and is completely untrue. Just never been true in any place in America. (laughs) It's a useful plot device, isn't it? It it makes a bit of jeopardy because Uh we all know that somebody's being shoved in the trunk of a car and driven towards the ocean. Yeah. And meanwhile, back at the house, they're going, oh, we've got another three hours yet before we can yeah. file file this report. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever oh, seen yeah. Without a Trace, the uh, Anthony LaPaglia drama, that period is really important for finding missing people. Yeah. Once the trail starts to go cold, it becomes a lot yeah. less likely that you're going to find them. So <laughs> if you believe someone is missing, you should go and report them missing as soon as, as you soon can. As soon as you think they're missing. And yes. they will not say, ah, they're fine, nah, they're grown up, they fine. can go where they want, come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, give it 24 hours, yeah. they're probably just sleeping on a bench on, on the, yeah. by the seaside. 
They'll be fine. This this yeah. line, incidentally, was was added for the film because it's based on a David Mamet oh. play. Sexual perversions in Chicago, something like that. It's not retired. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not in the original play. Um, ah. So, so yeah, it's part of the the, the amendments uh, they made for the film. Did and they just perpetuate the bloody. Yeah, factoid. they just just added a factoid in. And Elizabeth Perkins is the roommate who asked the question. Mm-hmm. This incidentally was her film debut, and she's since oh. been the woman who slept with Tom Hanks in Big and ah, uh, yeah. lots of other stuff as well. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. See, well, just as lemmings plunge to their deaths in a <laughs> mass purge when the numbers get too high, so I'm going to dive headlong into the unknown abyss to certain victory. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a flawless <laughs> argument. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know. No problems with that at all. No problem with that at all. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. Just got to go uh-huh. in confident yeah. as yeah. lemmings off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. So these examples are from Trump's recent interview with Tucker Carlson, right. which was quite entertaining because it comes mm-hmm. about three weeks after the emails from Tucker Carlson came out where he said, I passionately hate Trump. I yeah, can't yeah, wait yeah. until we don't have to pay attention to him anymore. And then yeah. Tucker's like just sat across from him, fawning over him and yes, pretending right, yeah. to love him. Mel- <laughs> falling, give, you know, turning into water like, like the moment in Emily. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, yeah, they both sitting there knowing that this has this information has come out and yet they're neither acknowledges it and just pretends <laughs> that they're best of friends. Yeah. This was the first interview that he get, had given after his arraignment. Right. So he talked about that a bit. So the first <laughs> statement is, when I went to the courthouse, which is also a prison in a sense, they signed me in and I'll tell you, people were crying. People that worked there, professionally worked there, that have no problems putting in murderers and they see everybody. It's a tough, tough place and they were crying. They were actually crying. They said, I'm sorry. They'd say 2024, sir, 2024, and tears are pouring down. There is, I've never seen anything like it. Those people are phenomenal. Uh, His his lying is just outrageously (laughs) Baroque, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. People, people that work there, and then he confirms that they work there, like professionally, professionally not, work there, yeah. not, not amateurs, not volunteers. No, <laughs> they just like they just turn up for no money, you know. That, and they put they put in murderers. They see everybody. They're tough, and they were actually crying. And they said abstract things like twenty twenty four, sir. <laughs> and you know, there's the tell. Soon as they say sir, you know he's lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, statement number two. Yeah. When I dealt with President Xi, I was with him the whole weekend. He had an incredible, I'm not allowed to say it because it's very impolite and very politically incorrect, a beautiful female interpreter. She was very beautiful. Today, if you say it, they'll say, this is terrible. You're not allowed to say that. But she was very professional. She spoke every word for him. Very professional. And another couple of them too, but she was there. (laughs) What? She was very professional. She spoke every word for him, very professional. Like, like a, translators, like an, interpreter, does. Like an yeah. interpreter would do, yeah. Rather than just sort of generally say, yeah, well, he's the general <laughs> gist is, yeah. What? Yeah. What? yeah. Mm-hmm. And statement okay. number three. Yeah. With Putin, the thing you have to remember is he didn't go into Ukraine when I was there. He wanted to. I know he wanted to, but I told him not on my watch. We had a very good relationship, although he... I treated him harder than anyone else. I was the hardest on Russia anyone's ever been, so he really didn't like me very much. But we got along, and in the end, he liked me. 
The same with Abdul, the Taliban leader. Abdul, he liked me a lot. Doesn't like Biden. <laughs> I love how he escalates. That's that kind of accelerating truth, isn't it? When he says, you know, he wanted to. I know he wanted to, but I told him not on my watch. He was. I treated him harder. I was the hardest anyone's ever been. Just this, this, this he's so pleased with himself that he makes these little steps of of facts. So he'll say something and then he'll build an argument based on the thing he's just made up. And then that, by the time you get to the end of the sentence, the first thing is an embedded <laughs> truth. In the, it's the foundations of this statement. Well, wait a minute. Can we just go back there? You weren't. You were a fawning, bloody kiss ass to Putin. Yeah. Okay. I told him not on my watch. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> handy, isn't it? Yeah. Because if you know, if if Putin had completely crushed Ukraine, if you go, yeah, I said to Putin, you need to crush Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. He liked me a lot. Doesn't like Biden. Yeah, so I, yeah, that feels a bit like a gym joke, that one. But, yeah, okay. They, see, all of them, when you read, you just go, oh, yeah, no, that's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> and then they go, no, each one of those is probably made up. Uh, okay. Mm, okay. I'm leaning towards, and I don't know why, President Xi... Beautiful female, she's very beautiful. She says that. That's a, this is terrible, but that's bit, um, but the sir in the first one is a bit of a tell for me. Oh God! Okay, so having said all of that, I think I'm going to go for number three. That's <laughs> the one that you made up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. the other two, which you are you more convinced by? I think I've, I think I'm more convinced by the President Xi. You talked. That was the one you were leaning towards. So I know. Uh, yeah. Now I'm <laughs> convinced less, yourself. Less convinced by anything else. Yeah. So okay. you hang around with Trump long enough, and you can be convinced <laughs> by the truth of your own premises. So number yeah. two, yeah, is yeah, real. When I dealt no. with President, I was with him the whole weekend. He had an incredible. I, I'm not allowed to say it because it's very impolite and very politically incorrect. A beautiful. Female interpreter. She was very beautiful. Today, if you say it, they'll say, this is terrible. You're not allowed to say that. But she was very professional. She spoke every word for him. Very professional. Had another couple of them, too. But she was there. <laughs> another couple of them, too. But she was there. Uh-huh. That's, and if, today, if you say it, they'll say, this is terrible. Well, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah. there's no need to comment on, on how attractive... On- Another you, person you find them, was. yes, yeah, but you know, so you, but but she was very Jesus. she was very beautiful, but she was very professional. <laughs> Despite her beauty, she was very professional. Yeah, Despite yeah, you wouldn't my, expect it, would you? No, 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 no. because because you know, all but, of the people I hire purely based on looks are shit. Yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah, yes, because he comes from a nineteen fifties upbringing. <laughs> Which you, you just hire people because they they decorate the place, and she was amazing. She was as an interpreter. She spoke she every word for him. Yeah, yeah. She, spoke, she was very professional. Like she, it's almost like she was being paid to do it. 
Yeah. And there were and another there couple of them, not so attractive, but she, she, <laughs> she was she there. She was there. She was there. Yeah. <laughs> God. No. Uh. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. you also thought number well, one I'm was real. I'm appalled that that's real, that one. Quite <laughs> you should frankly. Be. Yeah. So you also yeah. thought number one was real. Yeah. Number I'm not one. So sure now. Yeah. It's real. When I went oh, to what? the courthouse, which is also a prison in a sense, uh, they signed me in. And I'll tell you, people were crying. People that work there, professionally work there, that have no problems putting in murderers and they see everybody. It's tough, tough place. And they were crying. They were actually crying. They said, I'm sorry. Uh, they'd say, 2024, sir, 2024. And tears are pouring down. There is. I've never seen anything like that. Those people are phenomenal. I mean, he has never seen anything like that. No. That's true. That's, that's the only <laughs> yeah. true bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolute. <laughs> Does he think that it's true? Does he does he just go through no, life thinking I don't think, that... I don't think he can. Is can it, he? I don't know. I mean, he... Because it's like, is that... Does, does he th- is no, he, I don't think he can. Is he smart enough to, you know, street smart, to which is like, people stupid. crying from people not yeah. crying. <laughs> no, but smart enough to just make this stuff up because he knows it appeals to his fan base. Or is it, you know, that I'm using smart in the in the street smart sense of the word, <laughs> i.e. stupid. So he's, he, he know he's got this kind of dumb, uh, what, you know, kind of sort of basic animal instinct that, right, okay, what I've got to say is that everybody loves me, nobody dislikes me, everybody thinks I'm going to be a great president, so... Does he just filter out the people that think he's an ass and tell him that to his face? No, because that would require there to be people who were crying. Oh, or okay, like right. That. It's not just right. Because yeah. and, and I mean, it's it's easy to assume that he's lying because he's obviously lying. <laughs> but but <laughs> Yahoo News went to the bother of checking. Right. Um, so they spoke to a law inf- enforcement force familiar with what happened that day. Yeah. Uh, and asked them how many employees were crying, and they said zero. There were zero people crying. There were yeah. zero people saying I'm sorry. Yeah. Of course, because yeah. it's fucking Manhattan. Yeah. And they're all going, ha ha. Yeah. About fucking law time. Enforcement people. Yeah. About time you were here. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. As they slammed the handcuffs on the on his hands, or you know, took his fingerprints with hot ink. <laughs> Just make it yeah, really I love that he categorises yeah. it as being signed in as well. He yeah, was processed. Yeah. He was processed as a criminal yeah. defendant. Yeah, but, but uh, sign like, me yeah, in. Just, just, yeah, just because he's got here. to say, I went to the courthouse, which is a prison in a sense. No, in no sense <laughs> is it a prison. It's the place you might end up in a prison as a result of yeah, being. They have in. holding cells. Yeah, yeah, for sure, but. <laughs> You know, but they, but he wasn't in one of those. No. He walked in the front door. No, they walked him in the back door. <laughs> walked him in the back door, the tradesman's entrance. Yeah, they went, yeah, come in, through here. Hello. Is that, are you Donald? Yes, great. <laughs> Go through there. That's it. Just just yeah. wait here. You'll be called. That's it. The people weren't crying. They were going, hey, two fluffy dogs <laughs> and things like that. I'm like, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah, not Brooklyn. It's Manhattan. Up. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah, can only do Brooklyn. Yeah. So, 
What that means is that hey, for the first oh, time in uh, like six eons. or seven episodes, you got it right. Oh, what? It, See, it uh, was what indeed number it, three. It was, it was the it gag. Was, he liked me a lot. Doesn't like Biden. <laughs> good, good gag. <laughs> and, and I mean, it wasn't a million miles away from a thing he kind of said. He, said, he right. claimed that Abdul, the Taliban leader, called him yeah. Your Excellency. Which is almost certainly not true. Not true, yeah. And and said, I doubt he calls Biden your excellency or something like that. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, yeah. He, so he did kind of, he did kind of try and compare how much the Taliban leader likes him <laughs> with how much he likes Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Both of which he made up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why, we, yeah, why is... Carlson just going, oh, actually, he's got an eye on the, the viewing figures. He's going, yeah, despite oh, yeah, the fact Carlson's that we're thinking... terrified that his viewers yeah. will learn that he hates Trump. Yeah. Any of them who have heard the news, who yeah. have hopefully, hopefully not believed it, will now have seen yeah. him sitting across from him, yeah. hanging on his every word. And renewing their subscription. Yeah. 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 There you go. So that means that you're now on 54 out of 112... Which, uh, is, which is not not quite fifty percent. Oh you're, you're yeah, on your way back. I'm on my way back. Yeah. You see, yeah, it's the beginning yeah. of the comeback. The beginning. <laughs> That's what you've got to do. You know, <laughs> you've just got to take a leap into the void in, in the hope that you don't meet a Disney documentary filmmaker. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yes, it's part of the show that this week at least is called Clarence Thomas is not a logical fallacy because yeah. everyone's favourite Supreme Court justice uh, <laughs> turns out might not be completely ethical. Legit, yeah. Well, that was kind of... it. Having read this stuff, it kind of fits in with the whole notion I've got of him, you know, kicking back with a big fat cigar in his face. Yeah, think, not, oh, on, yeah. not ever asking any questions about any Supreme Court cases. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why am I not so surprised <laughs> to see him pictured, you know, by the sea on a deck chair with a big cigar in his face uh-huh. at the expense of somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, specifically yeah. at the expense of um, yeah. GOP mega donor and Texas yeah. real estate investor Harlan Crow. Yeah, the owner <laughs> who, um, of a signed copy of my camp. Yeah, yeah, I think it yeah. was. I think it was SNL who said it was the the whitest man with the blackest name. <laughs> yes, yes, isn't just yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, as as you said, he does own a signed copy of of Mein Kampf signed by Hitler obviously well, not yeah, just signed yeah, by any not old just signed any old loser yeah yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah yeah all the best yeah yeah best he also owns yeah. um statues in his garden of dictators like Ceausescu Mao Stalin Lenin Lenin wasn't a dictator all right well Stalin in him was. too he's there too yeah yeah um yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and a couple of Hitler's paintings um, what? He, he says he has these things because he hates communism and fascism, which makes total sense. 
Um, and and he just wants to be reminded of something he hates constantly, uh, presumably. He, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I assume he yeah. also hates impressionism, since he also has paintings by Renoir and um, Monet and people like that. Yes, I keep a stone in my shoe to remind me <laughs> how much I hate walking. Uh huh. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people surround themselves with art of stuff they like. Yeah. Or why, by people why they admire. Very expensive. Stuff. Yeah. Like if you've got original Renoirs, then yeah. That's going to be quite expensive. So why wouldn't you just buy something that you'd like? Rather go, oh well, I'll buy that because it's valuable. But I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. And then, well, don't put it on display <laughs> then. Yeah, give it, give it to a museum. It's a mystery. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not it's a, mystery, a mystery, is it? He's lying. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not a mystery. I've solved the mystery. No, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. As soon as somebody says, I collect stuff to remind me how much I hate communism and fascism uh-huh. of communists and fascists. <laughs> so it's, yeah, which it, it's like, yeah, it reminds me of the Tommy Cooper joke. I've got in my attic, I've got a Stradivarius and, uh, and a Van Gogh. And uh, Stradivarius was a terrible painter and Van Gogh could not make violins. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so that's uh-huh. yes. So what you would do, you keep the paintings by Hitler to remind me how much I hate communism. I keep the <laughs> statue of Lenin to remind me how much I hate fascism. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'll is. be honest. I don't need statues to remind me how much I hate fascism. No, it's, but it, to be know, fair, yeah. we live in a world where we have constant daily reminders. Uh, yes. So. Yeah. So, but if, yeah. <laughs> So you don't actually need an abstract no. <laughs> thing to go, oh, yeah, remember the fascist, fascistic rise of Mussolini in the past? Oh, yeah, let's not that, that, that happen again. Yeah, we don't have the daily reminders of our own bloody Home Secretary. Yes. Yeah, Quite. but basically, Harlan Crow, this, this, yeah. this fascism-loving GFP donor, <laughs> he has been giving Clarence Thomas stuff and trips on his yacht and his plane and his uh, like trips to his private resort yeah for about 25 years oh my well, about god two, at least 20 like years one or two no no uh, you know here's one yeah we'll yeah. keep it keep it on the qt we don't yeah it's just don't tell anybody he's been doing it for 25 years yeah yeah and when right. they met clarence thomas was already a supreme court justice right and he started giving him gifts and things seemingly reasonably early on yeah um and the la times in 2004 reported on some of the things that thomas had been given um including a nineteen thousand dollar bible that belonged to frederick douglas um Mm -hmm. a fifteen thousand dollar bust of abraham lincoln and trips to his resort and on his boat right and so clarence thomas at the time reported these gifts in yeah. you know as you would expect people yeah. to basically because like declare it there's go, a possibility yeah. it could be seen as yeah what do you want in return not great yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, possibly not, a quid pro not quo. great yeah. yeah yeah i mean i'm not on the supreme court i don't know if you've noticed um no, i just well, well you've been very quiet yeah, no, you're, I, you know not unlike <laughs> yeah, yeah. i just yeah. i just work for a tv channel and and we have rules about yeah. like if people give you gifts and kind of there's right. any possibility that anyone might think that they're trying to get th- something back from you. Yeah. We have to declare how much wow. it would be ab- above a certain yeah. kind of dollar yeah. level. And the dollar level is very low. 
So a couple of beer mats and an ashtray. Essentially, and that's yeah. That's it, yeah. But you would hope that the US Supreme Court would be yeah. held to maybe a higher standard even, if not then, just the then, same standard <laughs> than yeah. a guy who's a low-level yeah. worker at a TV channel. Um, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. feels if like... not the same standard as... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels yeah. like there should be a, a more rigorous set of rules yeah because otherwise it just feels a bit like some kind of weird grooming going yeah, on yeah. why would you having just met mm-hmm. a supreme court justice <laughs> why would you suddenly give them a nineteen thousand yeah. dollar version of the bible once owned once you know ancient one yeah. owned by a famous person and then a bust of you know, <laughs> whatever. but in recognition of that? that fact that it could look a bit odd yeah. Clarence Thomas did Go, report those this, things. This might be a bit odd, he so did, I'll just he come did say, clean. Here are some things, yeah. gifts that I've received yeah. from a close you know, family friend or personal friend, uh, yeah. and, and this is how much they were worth. And so the yeah. LA Times reported on it in 2004, and uh, people thought, well, that's not, I mean, that does look a bit dodgy. Um, mm. And so uh, he stopped reporting it. He still oh, kept oh, okay, getting yeah. gifts and trips. There's the yeah, and spending thing. Yeah, yeah, and spending That's a week it, every yeah. summer at the at the yeah. kind of exclusive resort and and taking you know nine day island hopping trips around the volcanic archipelago of the in, yeah. of Indonesia on the yeah. yacht. Yeah, he just didn't just tell anyone about it. That'll fix it. That's like taking your car into the shop <laughs> and they're going, yeah, that brake warning light. We fixed the problems with the brake. What did you do? We took the bulb out. That might be problematic. Receiving <laughs> these gifts from Uber right wing, yeah, the billionaire. So I'll just stop reporting them. Yeah. What? But ProPublica wow. um, yeah. discovered that this had continued to go on yeah. and spoke to and some of the people lots of who worked of on the yachts, for example, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and found out basically these kind of trips that he'd been on and the fact that he'd been on the, the guy's private plane and the fact yeah. that he spends regular summer holidays at the guy's resort place. And, um, wow. yeah, and there are pictures. Um, there, are, there are photos. There's also a painting that was done. Oh, that's, it's a bizarre thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's just... Yeah, he, there he is smoking a big stogie. Uh-huh. And there's these kind... Yes, it's a, it's a, uh, a photo reel painting it's yeah. almost it's almost like mid journey isn't it yeah, so, yeah yeah paint me four white guys <laughs> and uh and, and clarence thomas yeah and just sitting by a statue of a of a of an oppressed native american <laughs> so yeah 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 <laughs> this is at harlan crow's uh private lakeside resort in the adirondacks a place called camp top ridge and the thing is right Part of the issue with this is not just the two Supreme Court justices getting free stuff and free holidays mm. from a very rich, very right-wing guy. Yeah, yeah. It is also that that gives other people access to Clarence Thomas as well, mm-hmm. like the yeah. people in this in the painting, painting that yes. was done, one of whom is Leonard Leo, who is the guy who has kind of driven the, the right-wingization of the Supreme Court by... Right, you know, making lists for the Federalist Society of yeah. people who would be suitable Supreme Court justices to give to Trump when he needed to choose someone. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's obviously the opportunity for Crow to invite people who have things that they, you know, causes they would like advanced. Yeah. To be okay. there while Clarence Thomas is there, 
and have access give, to him. Grant him the yes, give him yeah. the ear of a Supreme Court justice. Yes. Absolutely. Initially, the ProPublica reporting only found this stuff which was a bit dodgy, which was him getting lots of free stuff which he didn't disclose, which is pretty bad. I mean, you know, it's it's not <clears throat> yeah <laughs> okay, but they yeah. didn't find any kind of specific transactions where Harlan Crow was essentially giving him money or anything like that like anything mm-hmm. that could be argued to be a bribe or something like that, until right. they discovered yeah. that yeah. in 2014, yeah. Harlan Crowe had bought um, Clarence Thomas's childhood home, supposedly in order to right. turn it into a museum to Clarence Thomas. Um, right. That's yeah. what he said anyway. But it's not just his childhood home, it's the house that his mother was still living in and it was still owned by his mother and Clarence Thomas. Right. And she Uh, continued to live there after he bought it and he paid for tens of thousands of dollars worth of renovations to the home while she was continuing to live in it and he owned it, which is a bit weird. A little bit weird. Um, Yeah, and it it involved, essentially, money going directly from Harlan Crow to Clarence Thomas. And he yeah. paid about $133,000 for this house in uh, 2014, um, right. which the reporting ProPublica has said, um, or actually I think it was another publication said, they, they couldn't tell whether it was above market value for, for right. the house, but another house in that block, on that block had sold kind of a couple of years before for $40,000. Oh my so, God. so it right. feels like it might be above market yeah. value, yeah. And if so, that is him just giving money to Clarence Thomas, yeah. And the, and also renovating it yeah, to yeah. what end? You know, it's a, fixing to, the roof was one of the things they did. Putting in making, new bathrooms and things like that. Yeah, making it a nicer make, house for his mum for his mum to, live, to in. live in. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. That kind that, and then there's a sort of implied. I've been spending too much time with Trump. But there's that implied wealth. Do you want me to turf your mother out? Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. He owns his. Yeah. He owns the house yeah. that Clarence Thomas's mum lives in. That is, yeah. it's classic sixties um, yeah. t- movie villain, isn't it? <laughs> it is, you know, yeah. the landlord is yeah. is threatening to get rid of this. You know, yeah. bulldoze the community center thing because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. landlords are evil. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. Clarence Thomas was he was like a man of the people because he would say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would just go to Walmart and, you know, hang around in my RV. Yeah. I quite, I quite like that. I prefer that from anything else. And there, But he's taking private jet flights to go live at the lakeside Hagrid's Cottage <laughs> recreation folly. Uh-huh. And also the other flights where they – that's a, the really nice thing about um, – publicly available to to trace the flights of jet aircraft yeah. is the available yeah. manifests that he just took one flight flew out somewhere and then flew back the same day <laughs> and the jet was owned by mm-hmm. crow yeah well, he's gone so, pl- yeah. loads of places on the on the jet they went they flew yeah. but together to bohemian grove the um californian all male retreat right they flew to crow's ranch in east texas mm-hmm. and yeah lots of places he flew flew him out to indonesia on the private plane to get onto the 162 foot yacht that he right. then spent nine days going around the indonesian islands on 
Right. With Ginny, with his wife. Oh, uh, okay. It's not, That's not like right, he then. was just on his own. No. You know. Because that'd be weird. Yeah. 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 Incidentally, Jenny also benefited a little bit from this relationship in as oh, much right. as she was paid a $120,000 salary by uh, a uh, a group, a tea party group that she founded, uh, which right. Harlan Crow donated half a million dollars to in 2011. Oh, okay. So that's like five years salary. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a benefit. Isn't there a thing about the fact that the law requires him to declare private jet flights and whilst there are no kind of precedents for the supreme court because it's the supreme court yeah, makes that's the, the law yeah. so they make their own law there is a law that says any private transportation via by a private jet has to be declared and if you go on a yacht that's a mode of transport as well so you ought to be declaring that too yeah, well, I mean, supposedly they're supposed to report anything of value, yeah. uh, which is anything above $415. <laughs> okay. Um, that isn't fully reimbursed. But right. there are exceptions to that, including hosting a justice at your own property. So if you, like, have someone to stay at your house, right? that's potentially of value. Like, if it was an Airbnb, it would char- it would cost something. But mm-hmm. even though they spend a week at his lakeside property every mm. summer, that's not that's fine. Um, free right. food and lodging, things like that, don't have to be disclosed. But right. um, but yes, it, it doesn't it doesn't apply to transportation. So private jet flights, yeah, explicitly should property. be disclosed. Yeah, I would say it's reasonably certain he's broken some rules, mm. some ethics rules. Yeah, he's certainly broken the spirit of the ethics rules that all courts have in place for their judges, even the Supreme Court. But because it's the Supreme Court, yeah, no, nothing's going to happen because. You know, there isn't a higher court that can reprimand yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. So, and and given that there's a uh, um, a loading of the Supreme Court to the right, mm. courtesy of one of um, Crow's guests, yeah, courtesy of Leonard Leo, then they're not going. They're going to yeah. Well, that's absolutely fine. They're yeah. not going to go. We ought to be being a bit more. Do we not need to appear to be a bit? I mean, he has said all that he ethical. will, from now on, disclose all of the anything that you know, gifts that he gets from people like Crow. So, oh, really? Not just gifts that he thinks ought to be declared. Well, we we'll have to wait and see about we'll that. Wait and see. We? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's just, but it's just a weird. So here he is, a black Supreme Court judge hanging around with a white supremacist. Fundamentally, it's just a bit. You think really, and for him to not is he does he not suspect that the guy is just trying to buy his way into influence? Well, I haven't yet read anything about specific cases that Harlan Crow has had in front of the Supreme right. Court or anything like that. I don't know that there are any, even over over the last twenty years. But certainly, since he is a a GOP donor, he has interests in moving the politics of the country in a specific direction. Yeah. And some of that includes cases that have been up in front of the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. The Roe v. Wade, Dobbs decision, yeah. that all yeah. of all of those kinds of things. Yeah. Um any opportunity to move the the um Overton window rightwards. Yeah. You could say Thomas's vote 
was possibly partially tainted by his association with this with person Grove, whose yeah. politics are very clear. Yeah. yeah. Calls for his resignation have been happening since the stuff came out about Jenny Thomas texting, mm-hmm. you know, Mark Meadows and others on yeah. January 6th yeah. and, uh, and probably prior to that. But, and they'll continue, I'm sure. But I don't think yeah. he's going to resign and I don't think the rest yeah. of the court are going to do anything about it. Give, so, yeah, given given his, that he's on to a you know an earner. Yeah, I mean, he, he what's he earning? Is like three hundred thousand dollars a year, and and doesn't have to spend any of it to yeah. go on holiday. No, because there's this the, the whitest man in the world. I mean, in all the pictures of <laughs> of Crow, he's kind of he's in the sunshine, but he's he's just so pale. Yeah, he's like it's Bella Lugosi basically in yeah. in a in a safari suit. <laughs> Yeah, in sandals and a safari suit it's not a good look yeah and it's not really a good look to be hanging around with that's the thing that just yeah Yeah. i mean the best the best iron manning i've seen about it is people saying what supreme court justices aren't allowed to have friends yeah yeah that'll be it yeah 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 yeah, some of my best friends are billionaire white supremacists. Yeah. Brilliant. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. In case Trump needed a reminder that the Manhattan DA's case is far from the only legal jeopardy he's facing, the Washington Post reported this month that obstruction of justice charges in the Mar-a-Lago documents case are looking more and more like a slam dunk. According to the Post, investigators now suspect, based on witness statements, security camera footage and other documentary evidence, that boxes including classified material were moved from a Mar-a-Lago storage area after the subpoena was served and that Trump personally examined at least some of those boxes. This isn't super surprising, given this exchange he had just last month with Sean Hannity. I can't imagine you ever saying, um, bring me some of the boxes that we brought back from the White House. I'd like to look at them. Did you ever do that? I would have the right to do that. There's nothing wrong with it. But I know you. I don't think you would do it. Well, I don't have a lot of time, but I would have the right to do that. Right. I would do that. There'd be All nothing right, let me wrong. move on. Let me... Remember this. Yeah. This is the Presidential Records Act. I have the right to take stuff. Honestly, if Trump actually paid his lawyers, they still wouldn't be getting paid enough. But like Trump's favourite poem, The Snake, they knew what he was when they took him in. Maybe they see having a client who relentlessly confesses to crimes on TV, (laughs) even when people are trying to hand him legal defences on a platter, as some kind of challenge to prove to themselves how good they are at lawyering. But as final bosses go, Trump is Mike Tyson in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, He's impossible to defend, but it's nice to see that on top of his regular public confessions, they also have witness statements, security camera footage and other documentary evidence. (laughs) Okay, yep, it's March Madness, the NCAA basketball tournaments. We're in April now, but yeah, Americans. And associated with sports refreshment Budweiser, also celebrated trans activist Dylan Mulvaney's 365 days of womanhood and sent her a Bud Light can with her picture on it. Way cool, right? It's a one-off can just for her to celebrate and treasure. But not if you're anti-trans, anti-woke, grizzled right-wingers like, say, Kid Rock. And just how much longer can he legitimately call himself Kid, who suddenly thinks Budweiser is now the beer of the trans movement? 
Though seeing how Dylan's whole journey had been documented on the friendly, caring platform of choice for youth, Instagram, it's difficult to know how your average bud drinker would stumble across the ad, much less conclude the some sort of endorsement by Brewer and Heuser Bush argument. Nevertheless, Kid Rock posted in response on bad-tempered, ugly, argumentative platform of choice for Maggas, Twitter, a video of himself flipping the bird and firing an MP5 submachine gun at a couple of crates of Bud Light, missing some of them entirely. Must have been because of the tears he's had in his eyes with which he began the video. He concluded it, fuck Bud Light and fuck Anheuser Bush. If he's advocating a boycott, then the right's going to go thirsty. With gross annual sales of $53 billion, Anheuser-Busch is the world's largest beer company, whose brands include Budweiser, Corona, Stella Artois, Bex, Leff and Hogarten, Skoll, Brahma, Antarctica, Quilms, Victoria, Modelle, Especial, Piccolob Ultra, Harbin, Cedrin, Cass and Jupiler. Yep. You might want to choose your battles. Nobody likes a sober MAGA. Oh, yeah, or a drunk one. (laughs) Yes, Ron DeSantis is an arsehole who just in the past week has signed a six-week abortion ban, loosened Florida's gun laws even further, and totally ignored a historic flood in Fort Lauderdale while he's on his book tour in Ohio. (laughs) But he's also a completely useless politician who got his ass handed to him by Mickey Mouse. (laughs) In March of last year, following a lot of pressure from their employees and customers, Disney finally spoke out against DeSantis's Don't Say Gay law, and the governor decided the most sensible thing to do was to go to war against Florida's largest employer and the source of $75 billion of revenue to the state every year. In a direct act of retaliation, he announced a planned bill enabling the government to take control of the self-governed zone known as the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which has allowed Disney to operate with a large amount of autonomy for the past 50 years or so. The governor appointed a new board of five members, including three Republican donors, a Christian nationalist and a parents' rights activist who has spoken out against LGBTQ plus inclusivity and critical race theory. At the time, a lot of people were wondering why Disney didn't use some of its huge financial resources to fight this in court, since it's a blatantly unconstitutional case of viewpoint discrimination. But Disney had a different plan. They held a public meeting of the existing Reedy Creek board, on February 8th, 19 days before DeSantis signed his bill. During that meeting, that anyone could have attended if they wanted, the board voted to devolve almost all their powers to the Disney Corporation, leaving the new board with only the ability to maintain the roads and basic infrastructure within the zone. Even better, since DeSantis referred to Disney as a corporate kingdom, they added a rule that says the new situation will stay the same until 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III, King of England, living as of the date of this declaration. Because in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Wow! The last survivor of the descendants of... Wowee! That's, yeah, you know, if you've got a... uh, Magic Kingdom, might as well. (laughs) Yep. In the eternal melange of voices going around in Trump's head, must keep quiet about the Stormy Daniels thing, for instance, versus getting everybody else to just shut the fuck up and listen to me, we are tied up again in the logic of what the fuck is Donnie up to now. He's filed a 500 million lawsuit against his former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen alleging that he violated attorney-client privilege when he issued a tell-all book about the hush payment he helped Trump facilitate to adult film star Stormy Daniels. So, 
If he was breaching attorney-client privilege, you're doing that by telling things that were said to you in confidence. But so is he saying things that Michael Cohen is saying are true because I told him in confidence and now he's breached that privilege? Or is he saying that the things are false because if they're false, why didn't he bring a defamation claim? Thus puzzled the presenters of CNN because it implicitly requires Trump to admit that everything Cohen said, which he's now denying by pleading not guilty to criminal charges against him in New York, is actually true. CNN concluded that actually there's probably no logic other than Trump's usual intimidation tactics to Michael Cohen and others who might want to come forward and give testimony in any situation against Donald Trump. It's a warning. It's look what I'll do to you. Increasingly, though, it seems that Trump actually looks like he's holding less power over people. I suspect Cohen's just saying, so sue me. After all, you never paid me for being your attorney. The Tennessee state legislature has spent the past couple of weeks learning about the Streisand effect after they tried to silence the gun control debate following yet another school shooting. In the week following the school shooting in Nashville, the Democratic representatives in the House tried to bring the subject up and repeatedly had their microphones cut off and were ruled out of order. With no other way to have their voices heard or air the grievances of their constituents, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson and Gloria Johnson, Democratic representatives for Nashville, Memphis and Knoxville respectively, led a protest on the House floor calling for common-sense gun laws in a state where anyone over 21 can carry a handgun, open or concealed, without a permit. The Republican majority responded by voting to expel Representatives Jones and Pearson and narrowly voted against expelling Johnson. Why the disparity? Well, as Gloria Johnson herself put it, I think it's pretty clear I'm a 60-year-old white woman and they are two young black men. The unusual, disproportionate and clearly racist response to the peaceful protest garnered national and international attention on the Tennessee state legislature and gave a massive platform to the ousted representatives, who were both quickly voted back into their seats by their local councils, but will have to stand in special elections to keep those seats on a more permanent basis. I don't think they'll have much trouble winning those special elections. Meanwhile, a little disinfecting sunlight has spilled onto Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton, who not only led the charge to expel the Democrats, but said their peaceful protest was equivalent, at least equivalent, maybe worse, depending on how you look at it, of doing an insurrection in the (laughs) Capitol. Sexton, who thinks breaking the rules of the House is just unforgivable, has apparently secretly bought a house six miles from Nashville and has been living there with his family instead of in the Crossville community he represents, raising questions about whether he can legally remain their representative. He's also been claiming travel expenses of $234 a day, which is available to representatives who need to commute to the capital and stay in hotel rooms. Perhaps when the Democrats wanted to beg the GOP supermajority to consider sensible gun laws that have no chance of actually passing in Tennessee, he should have just shut the fuck up and let them have their say. Former Trump White House press secretary, I'll give you the name, there were quite a few, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has taken a leaf out of her own playbook and lied about, uh, corrected the misapprehension whilst going on the attack and blaming everybody else and anyone who's asking. When news broke this week that the online application for people hoping to serve on one of Arkansas's dozens of boards and commissions included the question, what is an accomplishment of the governors that you admire the most? That's Governor Sarah Sanders, of course. It's a proper let's go round the table and have you praised as a dear leader. One of the many rituals Trump got from his admired dictator friends, not friends. 
The following day, that section had gone from the online application performer, with Sanders representatives blaming the web designers, saying the question was meant only for, for summer intern applicants. Who among us hadn't applied for a summer job and typed out 500 words of praise for how great the CEO is? Oh, yeah, Twitter, maybe. It's a perfect prompt for chat GPT. Write a 500-word essay fawning over all the marvellous achievements of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, please, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that. (laughs) Henny Youngman said, When I read about the evils of drinking, I gave up reading. (laughs) And that is essentially the Republican Party's approach to science, even their own scientific reports. Take, for example, the GOP-led Indiana Senate, who just last year passed a bill requiring the use of the best floodplain mapping data available when deciding whether to approve a building application. The trouble is, the best floodplain mapping data available has resulted in a lot more building permits being denied than when they used the old maps from FEMA. So now the Senate is proposing a new bill to remove that requirement to use the best data and go back to the FEMA maps. Sure, the FEMA maps are up to 40 years out of date, don't take account of steadily increasing annual rainfall and don't even include some of Indiana's floodplains. But if we ignore all that, we get to build more houses and pretend we didn't know they'd be underwater in the next big storm. (laughs) Meanwhile, in Florida, Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo put out some scientific data last October to back up his recommendation that young men should avoid getting the COVID vaccine because it would increase their risk of cardiac-related death. Well, last week, the Tampa Bay Times got hold of an early draft of that data, which included the risk of cardiac-related death for young men who get COVID, which, what do you know, was substantially higher than the increased risk related to the vaccine. But that data was cut from the report before it was released. And as we all know, ignoring science changes reality. So I expect any day now, the new official Republican position on climate change will be to stick your fingers in your ears and shout, la, 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 you know, just like their position on mass shootings. Yep. Meanwhile, in British politics this week, the Tories are set to lose possibly a thousand seats in the upcoming local elections. Constituents vote for their MP to represent their local constituency in Parliament. The number of MPs from each party thus makes up the comparative legislative voting power of the parties in Parliament. And despite being the governing party, the Tories would effectively have no operational majority and will be lame ducks between now and the general election in 2024. Such luminaries as Boris Johnson and Jacob Rees-Mogg could actually lose their status as an MP. Boris is almost certain to lose his because he's an arse, and even the traditionally right-wing flavour of his Uxbridge and Ryslip constituents have had enough, and like many of the other boroughs around the country, are tactically voting for whichever party isn't the Tories and is likely to win, regardless of political leanings. One journalist described it as the reckoning for the party who, like an old and discredited school, tried to recruit some young, trendy teachers only to find that they spent all their time smoking, drinking and going on skiing holidays, spending all the school's funds and not actually doing any actual facilitation of learning. Well, that's what happens when you put a bunch of overprivileged, self-promoting, yet stupid Eton graduates in charge. And in the week when both Matt Hancock and Rishi Sunak are being investigated for conflicts of interest from gaming the system and granting privileged access to government funds for their mates and wife, perhaps the reckoning is indeed coming. Ah, the rapture, (laughs) the rapture. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. 
You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. If you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our straw man level patrons, Don Tuvi, Rene Z, Schmutz, Mark Reinke and Amber R. Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED, we can just call her Amber. And our true Scotsman level patrons, Stephen Bickle, Janet Luetta, Kaz Tui, Andrew Hauk, Max Beaver, and our top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much for your continual patronage. It really is very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outburst and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>